The weed laws are set for adult use of marijuana in Massachusetts. The existing medicinal dispensaries will play a big role on opening day on July 1st. We'll talk with Keith Cooper, CEO of the Revolutionary Clinics in Somerville. All that and more on this episode of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. This program is brought to you by Vape Daddies, the Boston region's most equipped store, totally dedicated to the art of vaping instead of smoking your favorite product. Who's your daddy? Vape Daddy in four locations around Boston and Norwood, Newton, Braintree, and Framingham. We welcome our in-studio guest today. His name is Keith Cooper. He is the CEO of the Revolutionary Clinics, a medical marijuana dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, on Broadway. And no, I won't be singing that song. (laughs) Keith, thank you so much for coming in today. Glad to be here, Jimmy. Keith, let me ask you an immediate question. You have a pretty extensive background in startups, in business, perhaps more on the technical side than in the I don't know, health wellness side. Uh, Give us a little bit of a background about who you are and how you ended up as the CEO of Revolutionary Clinic. Sure. Um, It's a a long background and a short story as to how I got into the industry. After Harvard Business School, uh, where they did not teach much about marijuana, uh, I joined. Not in the classroom anyway. Not in the classroom, Okay, right? I'm just saying. It was a college <laughs> after all, so go ahead. And uh, I uh, joined the Boston Consulting Group for a number of years, so very uh, traditional path, strategy consulting, uh, very much uh, suit and tie type of uh, business. And I decided at that point if I wanted to get into entrepreneurship ever because it was good money and it was a great place to work, uh, I needed to do it then. So after four years of PCG, I decided to start my first company. And uh, I joined another company called Transnational uh, to create – a telecom division. So it was high tech, but not really coding much. It was really taking telecommunications and making it available to small businesses and consumers in a new way with great service, great marketing, uh, great billing and support. So we uh, we did that for four years, built a $60 million company, a fabulous first experience for me in entrepreneurship. And so I just kept going. Uh, I, I built another uh, t- tech company called FaxNet, which was also in telecom. We put fax traffic way back when that was a good idea on to this th- new thing called the internet in the late 90s uh, and eventually put voice traffic on the same thing, saved a lot of money, uh, grew a nice company, uh, invested about $25 million, sold it for a couple hundred million dollars. That's the way to do it. Uh, so everybody was very pleased with that outcome. And that, again, now, now it was in my blood. So uh, since then, I've done four other companies, uh, so six in total that were in the tech field. And I sold my last company uh, just about nine months ago called Constant Therapy. And it was in the healthcare wellness space, Mm -hmm. Uh, not uh, marijuana, but it was helping people that had had a stroke to regain their cognitive and speech capabilities using an app and using big data uh, to help them a very, very personalized way uh, improve their capabilities. And it was a fabulous product spun out of Boston University. Once we sold that, I was going to be done for a while, Jimmy. I was ready to uh, lower my handicap and uh, spend some time with my family. And I went to a cocktail party, okay, at, uh, at a country club and was introduced to a business plan in this space, uh, one that I didn't end up invest- investing in or joining, but it got me really intrigued because I started to learn about the industry, the scale. Uh, I learned about the magic behind this plant. Uh, and so I did uh, two months' worth of due diligence, which included going out to Colorado and California and seeing the businesses out there and decided to take over as CEO of Revolutionary Clinics. And there were four things that drove that decision. One, the plant is 
absolutely amazing. And again, I didn't know much about it. The medicinal value, uh, the cannabinoids, the lives that it is changing now uh, with with all of that. Uh, it was absolutely fabulous. So I learned about that. Second, it's the only multi-hundred billion dollar industry that I know of that's in the shadows and finally coming out into the light. So as it relates to potential scale and opportunity uh, and uh, success, uh, that was right there. Uh, third, Massachusetts, right? Massachusetts is doing it very slowly. Uh, medical marijuana has been available for five and a half years or legalized for five and a half years. There's 22 stores open. So very, very slowly compared to Colorado, which now has over uh, almost a thousand, I think, stores uh, between their medical and rec department. And fourth was the team, uh, the brand uh, and the licenses that the um, organization had. So it, it became an easy decision once I understood all of those things. It is a fascinating thing that we're going through right now because Eric uh, Williams, who is uh, the will and way consultant for Revolutionary yes. Clinics, who was so kind to come in to actually do the pilot for In the Weeds, um, we talked about this, that this is democracy and capitalism at work. Mm -hmm. And there are pitfalls on both sides, on all sides, but it's a new industry. It's like a, a whole new frontier, if you will. I, I'm guessing that's the, the rush that you get in getting involved with some kind of a business like this. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's, it's a very hard business, Jimmy, uh, operationally. It is um, agriculture. Mm -hmm. Tough business, 24-7, 365 days a year, all sorts of things that can go right and wrong. Mm -hmm. It is construction, lots of construction in order to build these indoor grow facilities, millions of dollars, lots of complexity, lighting and HVAC and humidity controls and so forth. Uh, it is brick-and-mortar retail. Tough businesses nowadays, right? You got to find your space. You got to find your spot, especially in this business. Seven days a week, uh, double shifts, and it's uh, regulated business. It's regulatory. All four of those things, you know, coming together into one industry is very, very complex. However, the scale of the business and the acceptance of the product is um, the easiest that I've ever been a part of. So in the tech world, I was always uh, either inventing or taking somebody else's invention and wondering whether uh, the audience and the customer base would want it, would like it, would pay for it, how often. Uh, that doesn't exist in this business as much, right? Because it's already in existence and has been for hundreds of years. But you said easy acceptance, and that's what I wrote down. Mm. There is a fight that is ongoing in this industry for acceptance by the public. And it comes down to the public is not educated about the benefits of this plant. Yeah. How difficult and how big of a challenge is that for you? So I, I, think, I call it the reefer madness syndrome, by yeah, the way. Yeah, 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 for sure, right? Um, uh, for the medicinal side of the business, I think we've come a long way mm -hmm. uh, just in the last couple of years. I mean, my mother, she wouldn't want me saying this on the radio, but she's using the cream for her hands because she has arthritis. Right. And it's amazingly effective for her, yep. better than anything she's able, ever been able to take before. I've heard that story hundreds of times, yeah, by the way. Yeah, and you know, what she was prescribed to help her hands was something to be taken by mouth and a pill that affects your whole body, right? Not exactly the most direct approach to the problem. I, I take that too, just for the record. In fact, <laughs> I take CBD, I take it all. So awesome. keep going. Awesome. So I think the medicinal side uh, now cross generations uh, is being much more accepted. Uh, and the fact that we've got, even though it's only 20 stores open uh, in the Commonwealth, um, everybody's uh, well-regulated. Uh, there aren't any problems. There is not any of this um, fallout uh, that was uh, potentially predicted there. Um, 
On the adult use side, um, it's it's going to take some more time, right? There's certainly large groups of people uh, that have been uh, users for years and appreciate um, how to dose and, and when it's beneficial and how it can be a lot of fun. Uh, there are a lot of other people who have been brought up uh, generation, generationally thinking it's a bad bad thing. And, you know, usually you get totally stoned and uh, you can't function. And that's not a good thing, obviously, especially for the younger generation. And it's going to take some time to normalize. And it will be normalized with uh, legalization, with regulation, and with the proper dosing, right? Mm-hmm. For the first time, you you know when you get a, a, a block of candy that it's five milligrams, mm-hmm. not maybe one milligram and maybe 50 milligrams, right? right? That's a big deal. And so once it it can become more like uh, having a glass of wine, Mm -hmm. if you will, at night to just lift the spirits a little bit and to relax, then I think more and more people are going to think, hey, that's okay. You know, it's an analogy that I use all the time when I'm out in the public talking to friends, family, others about this. It's like, wait a second, you guys have a glass of wine maybe three, four times a week to relax from a hard day's work. What's the difference between that and having a dab or a puff or a hit or two? Yeah. And, of course, they really don't know what to say. And then I go into the fact that, you know, that alcohol is 114 times more toxic than cannabis. Mm -hmm. And then you start looking at some of the science that is backing up the growth of this industry Mm -hmm. and except perhaps for one person we know of in the world that doesn't believe in science, who, by the way, I never mention his name, but I call him POTUS, Uh okay? And POTUS has no clue about the importance of science as far as climate change goes, and I'm guessing as far as this goes too, although we can get into the federal... uh, the, The... The federal way that they have still uh, scheduled this drug and are fighting it Mm -hmm. at at the highest conservative levels that are out there. Absolutely. Um, And I do think they're actually making progress in beating that down, too. And it goes back to the democracy. It goes back to the fact that there are 29 states that have recognized there is a medicinal quality to this herb that we need to introduce into our communities Mm -hmm. and The key, as I've always said, and I've said this many times, moderation. Moderation is so important. And I just got my MMJ card renewed by a a doctor, uh, his name. I'm going to mention him because I'm a big fan of Dr. Bob Walker. It was the Medwell Clinics who did it. And he said, Jimmy, this is the mantra. The mantra is you find as little as possible to give you the maximum benefit Mm. as possible. Mm. And I'm like, whoa. That should be like a drop line on some kind of a marketing campaign to explain to people why this isn't a bunch of stoners out Mm -hmm. there um, putting too much in their bodies. They're trying to regulate uh, what they put in their Mm -hmm. bodies on a moderated basis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, this is the kind of thing that I find as as you build this out is still lacking. Why hasn't there been a... Uh, association, uh, whether it be the Cannabis Commission, which is totally politics, and I hate politicians, just for the record. <laughs> but why isn't there a, a uh, industry-wide group that can create a public service announcement that 
talks about the stories. And again, you're not going, you're not, you don't need to talk about the facts and all the science and get into the, the, the CBD and the THC and all that stuff, but more about, hey, I'm a cancer patient and this has changed how I deal with it. Mm-hmm. Or I have Crohn's disease or I have multiple sclerosis or I have arthritis, chronic pain. There are so many amazing stories out there of what this drug has done and helped people but no one – you're fighting it on a, on a local basis every day that you guys go into communities and try and express, hey, there should be a retail pot shop or there should be a medical dispensary in this community because, A, the, the taxes and the monies can help each individual town. Mm-hmm. Why isn't there a, a, an association like that? Why haven't we seen that? So it, it's happening uh, very much at a local level, mm-hmm. right? We um, uh, have as one of our uh, strategies and one of our hallmarks uh, education uh, about the plant. Uh, about the effects, about the dosing, about the um, applications for different um, medicinal qualities obviously applied uh, with the doctor's guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that is being done locally. Uh, it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of money to do that more nationally. And I will say that there are three reasons uh, why that hasn't been done nationally. One is called our federal government uh, for the reasons that you described mm-hmm. uh, with the current administration as well as past. The, the, the past Correct. administrations, mm-hmm. right? Two, you've got a huge healthcare industry, uh, which is already established, uh, does not, uh, is not allowed to research uh, the plant and the benefits. Uh, and they have a certain way of doing things, which is when the FDA approves a, a drug uh, or a treatment, then we can apply it to our patients. If they haven't, we don't, right? So that's a big issue. Third, you have a pharmaceutical industry, frankly, that are doing a lot of good. And uh, unfortunately, they're doing a lot of bad, uh, trying to make as much money as they can. And so uh, having cannabis, which is non-addictive, treats a lot of the same applications and pains and and, and sleeplessness and so forth that the major pharmaceuticals, multi-billion dollar categories drugs do, is very threatening to them. And so they're not big fans right now. They will be right Mm -hmm. down the road, but right now they're not. So those three things, which are enormous in our economy, in our minds, in our experiences every single day, uh, our annual physical, all these things that are just normalized in the um, experience of of being a human being are um, uh, weighing against that message right now. It'll change. It's just going to take some time. Yeah, you talk about uh, big pharma. If you watch any traditional television broadcast network, I'm going to guess about 40% of the commercials are Enbrel and mm. Cialis and Viagra and, um, I mean, everything that yeah. you could imagine yeah. is out there. And half them, the, when you listen to the voiceover and you hear about the side effects, and when one of them says causes death, and they're still legally approved by the FDA, throwing hundreds of millions of dollars into advertising and promotion, mm. and they're... And oh, by the way, yeah, don't take this, by the way, if you're allergic to it. That's the one that gets me the be- the most. Right. It's like, right. yeah, don't take this. How do you know if you're allergic to it? What test is out there? What little pinprick are you going to take to find out if you're allergic to this drug yeah, before yeah. you take it? Yeah, anyway, exactly. I'll, I'll frust- I'm a frustrated person sometimes. <laughs> I really do wonder about what direction our country yeah. goes in. And the fight in this particular industry, you guys have a, your work cut out for you. You yeah. really do, don't you? I will tell you, though, Jimmy, um, uh, now being open for more than four months in Somerville, uh, serving patients uh, in that uh, beautiful environment, in that store at 67 Broadway, 
Um, I hear those stories every single day. Literally, I got off of opioids that I had been on for five years, were wrecking my body and my mind and my family and, and my experiences, and now using cannabis for the exact same application, I'm functioning again, and I'm going to work, and my family is happy, and I, I feel like a new man or a new woman. That's happening every single day, and they're coming right through our doors. So the stories are there. The facts are there. It's just the research isn't except overseas right israel is is i want to talk about israel my people your people (laughs) i've Uh, been to the promised land i tell you what they're uh they're kicking our butts uh when it comes to um uh research and and expansion of this opportunity uh and canada obviously is uh closer and uh in doing the same by having federal legalization, they're able to do the research. They're in clinical trials. They are going after these multi-billion dollar categories in the right way that people are used to with multivariate testing and, and big populations and randomized controls. And in four or five years, you're going to start seeing uh, these things pop out. And the U.S., because we don't have that luxury or opportunity, is going to be behind. You're listening to In the Weeds, a podcast about the cannabis industry, brought to you by Vape Daddies, with four locations in the greater Boston, Massachusetts area in Norwood, Framingham, Braintree, and Newton.